Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Robertson. Today, I can't wait to share the Word of God with you because we're talking about a subject that has a grip on this society. We're talking about anxiety. How many of God's people struggle with anxious thoughts, struggle with depression and despair, wrestle against discouragement? Oh, it's everywhere, especially in our world today. And the Bible has a great deal to say about it. Today, we're going to look at what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. We are going to see the very clear logic of Scripture. And what we are going to learn from Scripture is how to not overreact to life's problems, but how to give a right and a mature reaction when we face difficult things. I know today is going to help you as it has greatly helped me. If it does help you, send me an email. I'd love to hear from listeners. Write me anytime at pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. Oh, you will make my day. Let me know who you are, where you're listening from, and what God is doing in your life. Roberts at gmail.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's text from Philippians chapter 4 on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Today I want to talk to you from Philippians chapter 4. I, it's interesting, I shared these thoughts in two different counseling sessions this week. And then uh, Terry Whitson was uh, away suffering for the Lord at the beach this week and uh, had to go, you know, felt compelled to go and serve the Lord there. And so he asked me to fill in for him for his Thursday morning Bible study. And this was the text I felt led to share at Thursday morning Bible study for the men. And um, did not intend for this to be our text this morning, but the more I shared it, And the more the people this week came and just said, Chad, these thoughts have helped me so much. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is what I want for today. Just just walk through these scriptures. You know, I'm very much a preacher slash teacher. I love to teach. I also love to preach. And so today I intend primarily to teach, but maybe that mighty preacher the Holy Spirit will say, that, I don't know, but I get, I, get, I get riled up when it comes to the Bible because I get excited. I get excited. can't help it sometimes. It's just got to come out. What 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 the prophets say? It's like fire shut up in my bones. Amen. Whew. But today is very much a teaching text. And today I want to teach you Many things from the Word of God. Go with me, Philippians chapter 4. I want to begin in verse number 4. You know, before I lost eyesight, this is very often how I would study the Bible. Notice what verse 4 says. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, what I would do often is I would write a scripture like this out on a piece of paper. And I would pick through every word. That's kind of what I want to do today. 
So perhaps that would help you in your own study of the Bible. Certainly, I wouldn't write out chapters, but you know, if there was one verse or three verses that I wanted to link and I wanted to you know, pick apart and see how does it fit, I would write it out and I would go phrase for phrase, even word for word. And when you do that, and that's the reason I'm sharing this with you, As we talk today about Philippians 4, what I want you to see and what I want you to appreciate and ultimately value in your own personal study of God's Word, I want you to see why Scripture and how Scripture literally stacks upon the other. That's why we study it, we preach it, we live it precept upon precept. Line upon line. Why? Because the natural logic of the scriptures will stack up. And what happens if you don't cherry pick scriptures here and scriptures there, what happens is when you go phrase for phrase, word for word, verse for verse, what you begin to find out is, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. He said this in verse 4 because he said this in verse 1. Verse 7 means this because of verse 5. And it all begins to make sense. See, what we do is we cherry pick. We treat Scripture like a buffet. We we go to a buffet and we take a little bit of that and that don't look good. And and, now thank you. Oh, I'll take a lot of that. Oh, no thanks on that. Right? That's what we do. Scripture's not a buffet. You don't pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. Right? So let me give you a good example. Do you know what the most highlighted scripture with Amazon and Kindle is? Do you know what the most Googled scripture in the Bible is? I would have said John 3.16. It's not true. Philippians 4.6. That is the most searched scripture online. It's the most highlighted with Amazon. Why is it so popular? Because you know what verse 6 says? Be anxious for nothing. Do we not live in an age of anxiety? So what happens is well-meaning people try to find help in God's word and they go and they read, be anxious for nothing. And that's the only verse they read. And then they walk away going, I can't do that. That's not even humanly possible. Maybe elite Christians can do that. Super Christians can do that. But I could never do that. How can anyone do that? How can anyone be in a state... Of such faith that you're never anxious about anything. Who on earth could do that? And so what we do is we close the Bible and go, well, that must not be for me. Whereas part of the medication, part of the remedy, part of the answer is not verse 6. It's the verses before it. That's how you get to verse 6. Anyone with me right now? So let's pick it apart and let's understand it. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It's so important, Paul's going to say it twice. Now, let's understand this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, that seems like an impossible command, doesn't it? How can someone always be glad and always be thankful? You have a flat tire, do you just go, well, hallelujah, praise God. No. 
Am I right or wrong? Your kids do something bonehead. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No. Something break at the house. Something's going to cost you a lot of money. Is your first instinct? Praise God. No. So how can Paul give a command that we are to rejoice in everything? You know, it'd be easy to picture Paul sitting in a balcony overlooking the Mediterranean, sipping on a drink and telling Christians rejoice. But that's not where he's at. You know where Paul is when he writes this? He's in prison. He's in prison. He is chained to a Roman guard. And yet Paul says, rejoice always. I was sharing with a friend of mine yesterday. Do you know why I think God sent Dr. Luke to Paul? Because I think Paul had immense chronic pain. Can you imagine what your body, the, the effects of being stoned, the effects of being whipped, the effects of all the beatings he had? Can you imagine at times what his body must have felt? Huh. Very interesting. And I think the Lord sent Dr. Luke to him, not only to help him physically, but to help him spiritually. Boy, don't the Lord send what we need in our life. Amen. So here Paul is. Paul didn't have a perfect life. Paul wasn't immensely comfortable. Paul is chained to a Roman guard. Paul no longer has lingering effects in his flesh. What did he say? I bear the marks of Christ in his own physical body. He bore the marks of Christ in the persecutions that he endured. Paul's not in a state of perfection and comfortable. No, Paul knows what suffering is. And yet Paul pens these words, rejoice. Can you do that? Can you find joy in the circumstance you are in right this moment? It does not say rejoice after all your prayers are answered, does it? (laughs) Rejoice when you've turned the corner. Rejoice when everything smooths out. Rejoice when everything pans out. No, what it says is rejoice in the Lord when? Always. The psalmist said it like this. I will bless the Lord at all times. Are you rejoicing always? Right now you may be in a place of of ease. You may be in a place of blessing. You may be in a place of abundance. Rejoice in the Lord. And like Paul says later in the chapter, you may be right now in a place of need. You may be in a place of lack. You may be in a place where your faith is struggling. You may be in a place where you have more questions than what you have answers. I'll tell you the biblical answer. Rejoice. Count it all joy. James chapter 1 verse 2, right? When you can find joy in every circumstance. Let me tell, let, let me tell you why we especially as Westerners, let me tell you why we can't often find joy. Because we're not looking for it. You know what we're looking for? Happiness. Oh, my, my, oh, my little three-year-old's going to be four in next month. And, and he, I've, I told you about him. You know about him. You know about his little temper tantrums. He'll get mad and he'll go, Me not happy. John Mark, look at me. Do I look like I care? 
me not happy. <laughs> but listen, we get our eyes on happiness. We get our eyes on God wants me happy. There's a new term that some have identified that is absolutely pinpointing this culture. You may want to write this term down so that you can begin to see it. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Do you know... Now, let me explain it and see if you can't pinpoint it in this culture. What moralistic therapeutic deism means is when people go, well, I'm a good person. There's nothing wrong with me because I'm not bad. I'm kind. I'm I'm a good person. Why would God have any issue with me? Because I don't hurt people. That's moralistic. Therapeutic means God wants me happy. And if I'm not happy, then God is not doing his job. If I am not comfortable and I am not happy, something is wrong with God. Deism means, yes, God's creator, God is God, but he's uninvolved in my day-to-day. He's not interested in my actions. He's not interested in my thoughts. He's not interested in me. He's interested in the grand scheme of things. Can you see that in our culture today? I'm a good person, therefore God ought to make me happy. It's moralistic, therapeutic deism. And it's rampant in this culture. No. What Paul says is... You ought to not be happy, me, not happy. (laughs) Instead of having that attitude, Paul says, rejoice. Find joy in every circumstance. Find joy in all of your situations. And I'll tell you, instead of happiness where one minute I'm up, one minute I'm down, one minute I'm high, the next minute I'm low, I'm all over the map. I don't want to be all over the map. I want to rise above the issues of life. I want to rise above my problems. I want to rise above the issues. And I just want to be a stable, constant person in the Lord. Then how do you get there? Rejoice. Find joy in where God has you. You can find it if you'll look for it. Can we say amen to that? Rejoice, though, in what? Because you may say, Chad, it's easy for you to say, but you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know where I'm living. You don't know the problems of my life. How do I find joy in where I am? Well, he tells us. Rejoice in what? The Lord. Not in your lot in life. Not in your circumstances. Not in the problems. Not in your prayers. Not even in your own faith. In the Lord. Oh, now that makes everything different. It's interesting if you look at verses 1, 2, and 3. There is a fight in the church between two women. And it breaks Paul's heart. And he names them. He calls them out. (laughs) I I would hate for my name to be eternally in in the word of God and it be over a quarrel. (laughs) 
But Paul calls them out and he says, I want to see peace between these two sisters. They serve side by side. Their names are written in the book of life. This ought not be. And Paul does not say, choose sides. Paul does not say, hear the arguments. Paul doesn't say, one's right, one's wrong. Do you know what Paul says? That they would agree, how? In the Lord. In the Lord makes all the difference in the world. Do you remember a few weeks ago when I taught from Isaiah 40, verse 31? Those who wait, not for their prayers to be answered. Those who wait, not for the problem to be solved. Those who wait in what? In the Lord. What a difference it makes. You know what those verses tell me? Chad, when the Lord is central to your life, your problems are on the peripheral. But the Lord is central. Issues may be in the peripheral, but the Lord is central. Amen. And that means that I can wait for the Lord. That means when I disagree with people or have sharp disagreements with people or just not in line, whatever. Do you realize realize that some people are just going to get on your nerves? And did you know you're not unspiritual because of that? Then why does the Bible say, bear with one another. There's some people you got to bear. Their personality just rubs you wrong. You just clash. That's all right. It's all right. No, even when I disagree with people, I can disagree in the Lord, and that's going to keep it from getting off track. That's going to keep me from running off the rails. Anybody with me right now? So where's my joy found? How do I rejoice? I don't find the joy necessarily in what I'm suffering. I find the joy in the Lord. In the point, my suffering is not meaningless. It's not haphazard. It's not by coincidence. God has his hand on it. And then I go from pursuing happiness where my happiness depends on the way things happen in my life to where I rise above all that and I'm in a constant state of joy. Why? Because I'm focused on the Lord. And in good or bad, it doesn't matter. I want to be joyful on good days. I want to be joyful in difficult days. Why? Always. And it's so important. It's so counter to our nature that Paul says... I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. How many of you need to hear it again? (laughs) Rejoice. Okay. Now I want you to look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. How many days do you just wake up and say, I'm going to let my reasonableness be seen by everybody? (laughs) Your reasonableness. I love this word. You know what the meaning of the word reasonableness is? It is having a right response. It is a mature reaction. In other words, it is the opposite of an overreaction. Now, I don't know about you, (laughs) but I can overreact to things. I can overreact at the drop of a hat. Come on, anybody else like that right now? Don't pretend because your spouse will tell on you. 
We have a tendency to overreact. And don't we make what can already be difficult circumstances in life, can't we make them far worse by our overreactions? Don't we often take what should be small things and make them huge things because we overreact emotionally? Now, come on, who am I preaching to today? I know I'm preaching to more than two or three of you. And what should be a simple speed bump in our marriages or in our relationships or with coworkers or in our friendships or in our church life, what ought to be just a small speed bump ends up being a brick wall. And we look around and we go, well, what's wrong with him? Or what's wrong with her? What's wrong with them? Whereas in reality, it's my overreaction that really ought not be. Now what's Paul? Paul's talking about conflict right now. These two sisters in verse number 2 are in conflict with one another. And Paul says, I'm going to give you a remedy. If you will find joy in the Lord, if you will rejoice in the Lord, not in the circumstances of life, don't wait for the circumstances of life to change before you declare joy. You declare joy in the midst of the circumstances. Why? Because your joy is foundational in the Lord. Not in your feelings. Not in your emotions. So, Chad, what do I do with my emotions? Paul's going to show us. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But for right now, you have to be willing to take your emotions and set them to the side and say, I'm not going to be ruled by them. I'm not going to be controlled by them. I'm not going to be dominated by them. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And what that does, when you make a commitment that you're going to find your joy in the Lord, you know what that's going to create in you? A right and a mature reaction to all of life's circumstances. Let your reasonableness, your right, mature response, let it be known to everybody. You know what that tells me? People's watching your life. People's watching you. Isn't that interesting? And what happens is when they see you enduring, as a good soldier, as Scripture says. When they see you glorifying the Lord, when they see you honoring the Lord, even in the mess you're in, even in the hardship that you are in, even in the sorrow that you face, when they see you glorify God, it's just like Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your Father. Amen. Let your reasonableness, let your right response, your mature reaction, it's the opposite of an overreaction. You know, the Lord showed me when I went blind that I was often like a pendulum. I just swung wildly. Woo! <laughs> Some days I was fired up and I could conquer the world. And then other days... I was in despair. Woe is me. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know why I'm facing this. 
And I was always one side or the other. And you know what the Lord told me one day? Find your center. The Lord said, it's not my will for you to swing wildly. I don't want you swinging wildly where you can conquer the world. I don't want you swinging wildly where you're in despair. The Lord said, just find your center. This is where I want you, Chad. Right in the center. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.